Hello, and thank you for listening to Girl Wonder. My name is Joe Rochelle, and I'm just your everyday girl talking about your favorite webtoons. If you read webtoons all the time and you still find yourself craving more content, then you are absolutely in the right place. Just in case you don't know, because you're discovering this podcast for the first time, but you can listen on SoundCloud, on Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you choose to listen to. In this episode, we are talking about episodes 93 to 98 of Lore Olympus by the one and only Rachel Smythe. Speaking of Rachel, did you know that she has a Patreon page? It's www.patreon.com slash loreolympus. And the link to visit her page is right in the description box of this podcast episode. Just this past week, Rachel posted some really great patron-only content like Chitty Chats, where you can hear from the creator herself as she talks about each episode and you get episode previews and tons of wallpapers. You will be blessed with enough Lore Olympus wallpapers for your entire lifetime if you sign up as her patron. And of course, I'd like to give a shout out to my patrons, Kaylee, Joan, Jaylene, Jackie, Mizuki, Blair, Rachel, Joy, Chanel, Brianna, Angel, Kirby, Patricia, Sally, Hopi, Ashley, Errol, Tiff, Flora Maria, and Tyler. Whenever I have a question about what I should do for my podcast, I go to my patrons first. The link to my page is patreon.com slash girlwonder. You can also find that in the description box. So join us. We would love to have you. And before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Orsted, Denmark, Los Angeles, California, Augusta, Georgia, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Tampa, Florida, and Fairfield, Connecticut. Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, let's get into it. Let's start off with episode 93. So Ares accidentally hit Hera in the face, and both Zeus and Ares seem shocked and upset by this. That's when Hera says, you all need to go, get out of my sight, all of you. And don't forget that Hades is there too, and she's just dismissing everyone because it's gotten really out of control. And quick side note, Zeus's nickname for Hera is Bunny, and I don't like that. <laughs> I feel like... It's because of the way he treats her. It's like, how dare you have a nickname for her, like a cutesy nickname for your wife who you don't treat very well. But back to the episode. Honestly, Hera just needs a spa day. I feel like she needs a day where there are no men around and she can just relax because it's really dramatic at her house when her son comes back and then he's yelling at his dad because his dad slept with Aphrodite. And it's just, it's not great. It's just not great. So what does Zeus do next? He wants to blow off some steam with his brothers, participate in some good old debauchery in the mortal world, and Hades just wants to go home. Don't forget, this has been the longest day for Hades. He and Persephone had a long talk all about their boundaries, and he went around with Persephone to the um, goddesses of eternal maidenhood and wrote that check, and he's just had a long day. He wants to go home. He wants to process things, but he can't because his brothers want to go out. So we go to the mortal realm with them, and we get our first look at human Zeus, and he is flirting with a human whose name we later come to learn is Semele. He gives her a peacock pin, and he lied about making it because that's classic Zeus, 
Did any of you guys see the sequel to To All the Boys I Loved Before on Netflix? The second movie just came out. It's called P.S. I Love You. And if you don't want to know anything about it, just skip ahead. This isn't a major spoiler, but just skip ahead like 15 seconds. But in that sequel, Peter lies to Lara Jean about a poem that he wrote and he didn't write it. It's from Edgar Allan Poe. And it's just not a cute look when you're trying to impress somebody. If you're trying to impress your partner, maybe don't lie. (laughs) Don't lie about making something or creating something that you did not create. So I was also surprised to find out that Semele knows that Zeus is the king of the gods and Zeus reminds her that it's a secret and that just felt like oh that might come up again later that feels like it's important so we get to see Poseidon and Hades as humans too which was a real treat for our eyes I love how Rachel had to include arrows to point out who was who because she knows some of us might have been a little confused and I'll be honest when I first got to the mortal realm I wouldn't have known that was Zeus I would have figured it out eventually, but I'm glad the arrow was there because I did not recognize Zeus immediately. And so it's super crystal clear in this episode. By the time you get to Hades and Poseidon, you know what's going on. You can figure it out. So Poseidon lets us and Hades know that the mortal woman's name is Semele and she is Zeus's current mortal girlfriend. Larry Apples commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, you've got to be kidding me that immediately after being chased by his son and seeing his wife get hurt, Zeus's first thought is that he's got to get some of that mortal booty. Disgusting. And they wrote disgusting in all caps. So I kind of have a question. Does Zeus have any good qualities? And we're going to explore that a little bit. Just keep that question in mind. (laughs) I feel like a lot of you listening, your gut reaction was like, no, (laughs) no, he does not. Um, But there are a few moments that I want to explore as we talk about Zeus and a a few other characters in this webtoon. Skyhawk6600 also commented on this episode of Lore Olympus and said, Semele, as in the mother of Dionysus. Well, then things got interesting. So, of course, after seeing that comment, I had to do a quick Wikipedia search and came to a section called Seduction by Zeus and Birth of Dionysus. In one version of the myth, Semele was a priestess of Zeus and on one occasion was observed by Zeus as she slaughtered a bull at his altar and afterwards swam in a river to cleanse herself of the blood. Flying over the scene in the guise of an eagle, Zeus fell in love with Semele and repeatedly visited her secretly. Zeus's wife Hera, a goddess jealous of usurpers, discovered his affair with Semele when she later became pregnant. Appearing as an old crone, Hera befriended Semele, who confided in her that her lover was actually Zeus. Hera pretended not to believe her and planted seeds of doubt in Semele's mind. And basically, just to summarize the Wikipedia entry, Zeus tells Semele that he'll give her anything she wants like he swears an oath to her and she's like well I want to see you in your true form and he reveals himself but he doesn't want to because mortals can't look at gods without incinerating so she does she perishes consumed by his lightning flame and Zeus rescues the fetal Dionysus by sewing him to his thigh which is something I always remember from mythology that Zeus sewed one of his children to his thigh so that happens But I want to keep in mind that in this version of Lore Olympus, anything could happen. Of course, Rachel is taking things from Greek mythology, but she can also do whatever she wants with the story that she's crafted. She can diverge when she wants to. She can incorporate Greek mythology when she wants to. So that's just if you wanted to know 
hey, who's Semele and who's Dionysus and what are people in the comments talking about? That's just a brief, very brief overview of what one of the myths is about concerning those characters. So back to Lore Olympus, episode 93. A little after Poseidon tells Hades that, yeah, that's Semele, Zeus's current mortal girlfriend, Hades says, I have a terrible feeling about this and I want to leave. And that made me wonder, why doesn't he leave? Why... Why doesn't Hades just say, you know what, you guys, I'm so tired. I had a long day. I have to go. What does he get out of hanging out with his brothers? Because he's almost always complaining and like, oh boy, here we go again. And he's not having any fun. So let's have a little history lesson, a little Lore Olympus history. That noise means we're going to take it back a few episodes to 18 and 19 when we saw Zeus Hades and Poseidon going out for brunch at a strip club on a Sunday morning. You guys remember that? His brothers listened to him talk about his first encounter with Persephone. Hades tells them that he and Persephone just talked. They didn't do anything particularly intimate. Zeus asks if talking is a new sex position that he's just never heard of. And Poseidon is in the market for a second wife, and he wonders if Persephone's available if Hades doesn't want her. So... That's a pretty good summary of what he gets out of his brothers. They don't always have the best advice. They can be really annoying and even draining for him, but they're his brothers, you guys. Hades can confide in them about how he feels about Persephone pretty much at any time, and they will listen. Like I said, they will give bad advice, but they will listen, and I think that's important. Hades doesn't seem to like censor himself around his brothers. He's really telling them the truth about how he feels about Persephone straight off the bat in episode 19. He even makes it clear that he doesn't think Persephone will ever consider him romantically. Of course, he was wrong about that, but in episode 19, Hades showed his brothers the ring he planned to propose to Minth with, and he was going to propose if she'd shown up to that party. And Hades says, I just figured that she would make an okay queen of the underworld. And Zeus, Zeus of all people says, what you want is an excellent queen of the underworld, not an okay one. And Poseidon says, I didn't know you felt that way. Why don't you borrow my wife? So <laughs> I say all of this to explain why Hades is there for Zeus right now. Why he comes running every time Zeus calls, and even though he's tired, even though he does not want to be at this party in the mortal world, if push came to shove, I think Zeus and Poseidon would be there for him too. They are always there for him. They listen to him talk about the girl he has a crush on, and they told him, you know what? You don't need an okay queen. You need an excellent queen. That is good for Hades' self-esteem, which has already suffered so much in this webtoon. I'm glad to hear Zeus say something like that. I'm glad I went back a bit to see, well, yeah, that might be a good quality of Zeus supporting his brother right there in that moment. That was pretty good. The episode ends with Hades going outside for some fresh air, and my takeaway from this episode is that Zeus is not faithful to Hera, like at all. He seems to feel no remorse while cheating, and the power has just gone straight to his head. So Zeus's troubles aren't even close to being over, as we talk about the next chapter in Lore Olympus. In episode 94, 
we open with Zeus and Semele in bed. And I have to wonder, does Zeus ever call a woman by the wrong name in bed? How does he juggle all of these relationships? He has so many relationships. I have to believe that he's called out the wrong name at some point. <laughs> and it, it was a big deal and he ran away from that as well. I think a lot of his partners must know that he is cheating on them. <laughs> or they know they're the other woman. Like Thetis, she knows. Hera knows. I doubt Semele knows, though. His mortal girlfriend probably doesn't know all the people he's been with or is currently with. Speaking of Semele, she says an interesting bit of dialogue in the scene. She says, I wish father would throw more parties. I love parties. And that made me wonder, like, is she spoiled? Is she a very rich mortal girl whose dad throws a lot of parties? But then I started to understand her issues with her father when she said she wanted to set her loom on fire. It was a very funny moment just to see what her dad would do. So she's got a little rebellious streak in her. And Hades finds a dog in a cage outside. And he immediately feels compassion for the little thing. He gives the dog some water. I think my favorite line in this episode is when Hades says to himself, I told my therapist I wouldn't get another dog, but <laughs> when will we get a chance to sit in on one of Hades' therapy sessions? I would love to see that. I would love to meet his therapist because there's been a lot of mention of his therapist, like when he wrote the letter to Persephone that he never quite gave her. I love that. I love that he wrote down all of his feelings. I love that he does have some self-care rituals that he adheres to because he needs to do that. He has a very tough relationship with Minth to handle and it's not healthy. So it's good that he has a therapist. I just like to be a fly on the wall in one of those therapy sessions and just hear Hades share everything that's going on in his life and get good counsel on it. Anyway, the next thing Hades knows, Zeus and Poseidon are running just sprinting, really booking it away from the party, screaming. <laughs> Hades was gone for like three seconds, and now his brothers are running away screaming. It's heavily implied that Semele's father caught Zeus and Semele in bed together, and it's like Zeus left the drama of Olympus just to be caught up in the exact same drama in the <laughs> mortal realm. To be honest, Zeus is addicted to drama, that is my diagnosis of him, probably more than he's addicted to sex or addicted to being praised or addicted to power or revenge. I think he's addicted to drama, especially this kind of drama. He was just running away from Ares for sleeping with Aphrodite. Now he is running away from Semele's father for sleeping with Semele. After reading this episode, I actually googled what makes people addicted to drama? And I came across a really helpful Psychology Today article. Here are just like a few things that stood out to me. It said that excessive attention seeking is not a character flaw. It is a brain wiring response to early developmental trauma caused by neglect. So I feel like if we were ever to go back in Zeus's past and get a few flashbacks from him, there would be some early developmental trauma, something happening, some kind of neglect forming, because people who are addicted to drama are addicted to attention. It's attention seeking. Zeus is getting a ton of attention for his bad behavior, for his cheating, for his scandals. 
it it draws in attention, right? His son is chasing him as he's as he's a swan. His son is literally chasing him out of his own house and his wife is there and things are going crazy and haywire. And then he goes to the mortal world and the dad is chasing you. He caught you in bed and you're running. If that's not attention seeking, I don't know what that is. So the article also says that it's more than just trying to get attention. Drama causes the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus to secrete endorphins, which are the pain-suppressing and pleasure-inducing compounds, which heroin and other opiates mimic. I feel like drama is Zeus's drug. The last thing the article says is that, like any addiction, you can build up a tolerance that continuously requires more to get the same neurochemical effect. In the case of drama, then that means that you need more and more crises to get the same thrill. So if Zeus could just know this about himself, you guys, I'm sure he would start to change. But that's exactly, when I read that, it just made me think of him so much. I know there are people in our lives who you're like, oh, that sounds like them because they keep going from like one obstacle, one dramatic situation to the next. But Zeus is doing this to such an extreme level. I cannot, I cannot believe he just went from back to back identical scenarios like this. I had to psychoanalyze him for it. It's just such an interesting thing that Rachel did. He, It's so parallel. I really, really enjoyed um, analyzing the crap out of that. So in the story, Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades go to Hades' place to crash for the night. Did anyone laugh out loud that Poseidon's just chilling in the pool? Like He's like, I'm good. I'm just going to sleep here tonight in Hades' pool. I thought that was really funny. Zeus chooses to lie down on the couch in front of the TV and it's the start of him being more vulnerable and opening up his heart to Hades a little bit because he says to him, I know you think I'm a bad husband. And then he later corrects it to, I know I'm a crappy husband. Zeus continues to say, every day I think I'm going to be better and then I backslide. I love Hera. You know I love Hera, right? I just feel like that's really in line with the whole addicted to drama thing. He thinks he can do better. He thinks he can avoid it, but he backslides every time. I mean, when he says, you know, I love Hera, what does love even mean to Zeus? What does he think love is? He must know there's a difference between love and lust. He made Hera his wife. Not any of his affairs or his mortal girlfriends. Like, Thetis isn't his wife. Semele's not his wife. Hera is his wife. But when he says, you know I love Hera, what does love mean to Zeus? If we go back to episode 84, this is the same Zeus that told Hades to just marry Persephone without her consent. This is the same Zeus who said, I know it's a little old-fashioned and she might be upset in the beginning, but she'd get used to it. So, I don't know what he thinks love is. And all of his bad behavior is kind of making him a villain in my eyes, just a little, but I'm not sure about it. So I asked Mizuki and I asked Kaylee, who both happen to be patrons of the Girl Wonder podcast, to leave a voice message and let me know, do you think Zeus is a villain? Here is what Mizuki said. Honestly, um... No, I don't think he is. I just don't think he's a good person slash God. You know, he's done a lot of things to cause pain to people or cause a nuisance uh, to certain people. 
Um, but in my personal opinion, I believe that a villain is someone who intentionally causes pain to another person or to upset somebody because of something they have done or because they want something out of that person, either if it's pain, misery, you know, something like that. But I don't think Zeus has ill intent is all I'm, you know, seeing from um, what he's done, you know? I think he's thinking with his uh, other head, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I do know what Mizuki means, and I agree that Zeus is definitely thinking with his other head. I also asked Kaylee the same question. Is Zeus a villain or not? I've always thought that Zeus is a villain. Um, I definitely think that he is in this story as well. I mean, something that Rachel's really good at is making her characters flawed, um, which makes them more human. But Zeus, even in when I was learning about mythology, he was just a vengeful, kind of childish god, in my personal opinion. And he doesn't really care about anybody but himself, and that's evidenced by... Um, The episode with Demeter, where he sets all of her fields on fire, it's evidenced by how he treats Hera all of the time, and about how he treats his brothers. He doesn't care about Hades um, or Poseidon's time. So I don't know if that makes him a villain in the traditional sense, but he's definitely a bully um, for sure, and he's a catalyst for a lot of bad things in the story. Zeus is absolutely a catalyst for a lot of bad things in the story. And one thing I was not surprised by, but I did notice, is that after he confides in Hades on that couch in front of the glowing TV, Hades kind of lets Zeus off easy in this conversation. I feel like if it were me, I think I would be pretty harsh with my brother in this moment, like some tough love and say... It doesn't matter if you say you love Hera, your actions matter more. You have to act like you love Hera. But to give Hades a break, he isn't really confrontational like that. And when you think about it, it would be really hard to change Zeus's mind and help him see the light when it comes to love and relationships. He is so turned around that it would have to come through experience, not just someone telling him how to be. So I don't know what Hades could have possibly said to Zeus to change his mind in this moment, to be like, this is how you respect women. I don't think that would work. I think it has to be experiential for Zeus, at least. So back to Hades and his cute little dog. He gives his new doggy a bath in the sink and he blow dries her with a blow dryer and he's so caring. And this is why we love Hades. Rachel had a poll on her Patreon a little while back where we could vote for the name of this precious pup. I voted for Pamelia. Did anyone else vote for Pamelia? <laughs> this is the flower that um, Hades and Persephone bonded over in episode 80. Just in case you want to go back and see where that name came from. So Hades takes a picture because you got to take a picture of your new dog. And he wants to send it to Persephone, but boundaries. They just had a very important conversation about boundaries. So he holds back and he doesn't send that message because he's not supposed to text her late at night. And she just said she needed some space. I respect Hades so much for giving her the space that she needs. Something he says out loud to himself is, why do I feel like we broke up even though we're not even together? 
It's because you guys have a bond you're meant to be together, but you're not right now. And after he says that, we cut to Persephone crying in bed, wearing her pink pajamas, but holding Hades' jacket really close. It's just tough. This is a tough time for them right now. They're both having some kind of bad days. And Hades, thinking about Persephone in this moment, he starts to remember that Persephone was frightened by Apollo the last time she saw him. And he looks at that Instagram post, you know, that picture that Apollo posted of him and Persephone way early on in the webtoon. And there are some things that I never noticed before. Well, one thing is that Apollo wrote hashtag blessed in the caption. (laughs) Just what an eye roll I gave when I saw that. Uh, Persephone commented and said, can you take this down? And obviously Apollo did not listen because the picture is still up. And I always notice this, but it makes me mad every time. It's Apollo's finger underneath the strap of her tank top, I suppose. I don't like that. He is so in her personal space in this picture and she asked him to take it down and he didn't do it. But one thing I could rejoice about in this episode is that Hades finally friended her on Fate's book. I am so glad that they had that boundaries conversation because it birthed this moment that um, even though things are temporarily stalled for Hades and Persephone, they're taking their relationship so seriously and progress is still being made. They are official Fate's book friends. Cruella6235 commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, definitely one of the things I love most about Hades is that even though it doesn't serve him most of the time, his heart is for other people. Even though his brothers annoy the crap out of him, he's always there for them. Even though Minth has been a horrible partner for him, he still considers her feelings. And even though he and Persephone have decided to not flirt slash put up healthy boundaries, he is constantly concerned for her well-being. What a guy. We could all be more like Hades. We really could all be more like Hades. It would be a better world. He's so compassionate and He was going to make such a good husband for her one day when we get there. So my takeaway in this episode of Laurel Olympus is that Hades still wants to be friends with Persephone. You know, the boundaries thing did not scare him off. He still wants her in his life. He's also very perceptive. He noticed how scared Persephone was of Apollo, who shows up in the next episode. Episode 95. Persephone finally gets her results from the family planning clinic and her test results are negative, which is a little bit of good news before some bad things start to happen. So Persephone's still trying to figure out how to smooth things over at school with her classmates. I laughed out loud when she said, Rice Krispie Treats probably won't make up for the eyeball thing. (laughs) No, I don't think that will do it. But Persephone hugging Hades' jacket and saying doing the right thing is hard. I really empathized with her a lot in that moment. She has so much integrity. She wasn't really even doing anything completely wrong by flirting with Hades all the time, but it was just too much for her. And I appreciated that she stepped up and talked to him about it and he listened. So Artemis shows up and she's wearing a really cute outfit, by the way, but she says something that isn't that cute. She says to Persephone, my brother is here and he's making breakfast for us. 
And I cringed when I read that sentence, and I'm sure Persephone did too. So Persephone mentions that she'd kind of like to skip breakfast then, if that's the case. And Artemis is like, no, it would mean a lot to me if you could try to get along with him. He's my brother after all. She asks again what happened between them because she's not stupid. She can sense that there's some kind of, you know, hesitation on Persephone's end and something mysterious going on with Persephone and her brother, but she hasn't put two and two together. So Artemis says she genuinely likes having Persephone in her life, sharing this living space with her, which ends up making Persephone feel even more guilty, even though that's not Artemis's intention here. It's just what happens. So Persephone just feels like she's living a lie. She wants to get out of the goddesses of eternal maidenhood, and they don't know that. So no wonder she couldn't keep things the way they were with Hades. She couldn't keep feeling like she was the other woman on top of all of this. There's only so much deceit she can take in her life and conflicting feelings. So Persephone goes downstairs where Apollo and Hermes are, and Apollo is just too much from the start. You know, he's being Apollo. Hermes tells Persephone that he's been a huge diva all morning. And that makes Persephone start to freak out because maybe Apollo, maybe he noticed that his liar is gone, the liar that she took. And Apollo makes crepes and gives her one, but she doesn't want to eat it. Think about how difficult it is for Persephone to eat something that he made, much less enjoy it. And Persephone thinks to herself that his crepes taste like styrofoam. No matter how good of a cook he is, there's no way she would have been able to enjoy his food. So Persephone also thinks about her mother, how she should call her. And then the worst thing ever happens. Artemis and Hermes leave to go to the mortal realm. They leave. Persephone didn't even finish her crepe yet. Artemis just says, I'll leave the cleanup to the two of you as she walks out and leaves Persephone alone with Apollo at their place. Slytherin in Love commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, did anyone else's anxiety spike once they were left alone? Me. Mine did. I was screaming, no, don't leave Persephone all by herself with this guy in her home. Take your brother with you. But that doesn't happen. Anna Blood commented and said, Artemis needs to get a grip. It's obvious that your friend is uncomfortable with your brother, but not only do you guilt her into going near him, but you also leave her alone with him. I'm sorry, but Artemis is not being a good friend. And it's this comment that I read on this episode of the Webtoon that had me ask the same question to people who listen to the podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Is Artemis a good friend to Persephone? On Twitter... I put out a poll. I expected like two people to vote, but we actually ended up getting, I think, 145 votes. And the results were 44.1% of people saying, yes, Artemis is a good friend to Persephone. And 55.9% of people saying, no, Artemis is not a good friend to Persephone. Now, it's not quite an even split, but it's clear that there are people who feel like she's a great friend and there are people who feel like she's not so great of a friend. I asked Mizuki the same question. Is Artemis a good friend to Persephone? On the surface, I think she is a good friend. Like, she'll watch movies with Persephone and have dinner with her. But when Persephone opens up to her about Hades, doesn't really talk to her about that. You know, like, Persephone opens up and talks to her about her feelings. And, you know, usually when you open up to a friend... Most of the times, 
the friend will open up to you thinking, okay, this is a safe place where I can talk about these kind of things. I don't think that that um, Artemis is necessarily a safe place for Persephone. That's just my speculation on that from how they interacted. Like Eros is a perfect example of what a safe place would be for a friend that has dealt with the things that Persephone has dealt with. I think Artemis is a good friend on the surface, but there's no depth to the relationship is all I'm saying. I agree that on the surface, yeah, there's friendship there, but has it gone to a deep place? No. And when you compare it to Eros and Persephone, it's really not as deep as it could be, right? Here is what Kaylee has to say about Artemis being a good friend or not. I don't think that she's intentionally um, trying to hurt Persephone or make her feel bad about um, or uncomfortable about her living situation. I just think that she doesn't have all of the details about Persephone's life um, and her wants and especially about what has happened with Persephone and Apollo. Um, So without all of the details information, it can be really hard um, to be your best for someone else. And um, Apollo's also her brother. So I get that she would want Persephone and Apollo to get along um, and that she would want Persephone to be a part of the Goddesses of Eternal Mirrorhead because, like she kind of mentioned, she's been alone with just Athena and Hestia. So I think that if Persephone and Artemis had a heart-to-heart that they can work on their friendship and become better friends. Sometimes I wonder if Persephone and Artemis would even be friends if there wasn't the goddesses of eternal maidenhood holding them together. But I agree with Kaylee that if they really had heart to heart, I think that's when we'd know, like, are they true friends? Would they be even best friends if they were able to actually talk to each other on a deeper level? Kelsey underscore cakes on Instagram commented and said, I think that how Artemis reacts and what she does when she finds out what happened will be very telling on if she's a good friend to Persephone or not. That's the key right there, isn't it? How she behaves when she does know the truth. Personally, I find myself really torn on whether Artemis is a good friend to Persephone or not, especially because because it's so subjective. We all have to agree on what a good friend is. And then the second reason is because Persephone hasn't told her the truth. So she we don't have an op- she doesn't have an opportunity to either be there for Persephone or side with her brother. Because that's our fear, right? That she would side with Apollo and not Persephone once she finds out what happened. And then and another reason is because the story is told from Persephone's point of view. And we are inclined to empathize with her. And Artemis is making her uncomfortable. Artemis is putting her in a dangerous situation. So, of course, it's easy to say she's not a good friend because of those two factors. So I'm really, really torn on this. CJ Boylan on Instagram said, I think it would be fair to point out that Artemis did try to ask what was wrong. And that's Apollo's twin sister. Eros is the god of love and sex. They go on to say, but while Eros has been compassionate, 
He also has the advantage because of who he is. He knew Persephone wasn't a virgin, so he asked her, and he has needled her for info in the past about her crush. He is very compassionate, but he is also probably easier to talk to because he has no connection to Apollo and because of who he is and how perceptive he is. So do I think Artemis is a best friend? No, but I don't necessarily think at this point in time that she has proven herself to be a bad one yet. So lots of good points were made on Instagram and on Twitter about Artemis and whether she's a good friend or not. And it just shows how gray it is. It's not black. It's not white. It's so gray. The results of the poll show that it's not 100% she's terrible friend. And it's not 100% she's an awesome friend either. But when it comes down to it, Persephone is left all alone with Apollo. She tries to leave right off the bat. And Apollo says, stay have another crepe. He is so pushy and so controlling. She says no, and he says, I said, have another crepe. And that's the end of the episode. My takeaway from episode 95 is that Apollo is as stubborn and as blockheaded as they come, and Persephone is in such a dangerous situation, all alone with him at her place. Good things aren't going to happen. Episode 96, which is called Mama, I think it's my favorite episode of Laurel Olympus so far. Persephone is stuck in this dangerous situation with Apollo and she asks herself, what would Mama do? When we think of Persephone's mother, we think of Demeter as the super controlling helicopter parent. And Persephone literally had nightmares about her mother locking her away early on in the webtoon. But in the flashback we get in this episode, in episode 96, we get to see another more resilient side to Demeter, and I really enjoyed it. In the flashback, Persephone is young, and Demeter sends everyone inside as soon as Zeus shows up. We catch a glimpse of Demeter's back as she heads towards Zeus, and we see these huge, thick scars on her back. And Zeus needs a favor, again. He says, I need you to hide that nymph for me. She's got to lay low for a while if you get my drift. Demeter stands up to him. She says, no, I told you last time it was the last time. And that's when Zeus goes to his gaslighting that he does whenever he's confronted, whenever he doesn't get what he wants. He immediately puts someone down, tries to confuse them. That happens again here. Zeus immediately calls her a shrew because she's inconveniencing him right now. Demeter has the best comeback to that, which is to yell in his face, point her finger in his face and say, stop cheating on Hera. She adds, I will not be forced to cover for you anymore. And the word that stood out to me was forced. And then we see those four large scars on her back again. And my first thought was, did Zeus do that to her? But I have a different theory later. So Zeus definitely retaliates to Demeter standing up for herself. He retaliates with his lightning, with fire, and Demeter feels bad, like her standing up to Zeus wasn't worth the consequences, it wasn't worth the result, but none of the nymphs were mad at her. They respected her for it, and so did I, to be honest. She stood up to the king of the gods, and she told him to stop cheating on his wife. 
Demeter has integrity and she's not going to cover for him anymore. So Crystal Blossom commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, I know Demeter can sometimes be a helicopter parent to Persephone, but she truly loves her and just wants to look out for her. After that flashback, Persephone comes to the conclusion that even if it might be dangerous, even if she's not prepared for the possible consequences, she's not going to put up with Apollo anymore. She won't eat another one of his disgusting crepes. She wants him to leave. And Apollo tries to gaslight Persephone. He says, you act like a brat every time I try to do something nice for you. And I just want to take a second to analyze this sentence. It is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that he's doing and it's extremely manipulative saying that you act like a brat every time I try to do something nice for you. (laughs) He's just saying what he thinks will make Persephone comply, what will make her more obedient, what will make her do what he wants her to do. So he's trying to tell her that this is nice. I'm being a good person. You are the one who's being crazy. You're the one who's being a brat. And Thank goodness it's not working, but it's extremely manipulative, and I wish Persephone didn't have to go through this. So he goes on about how any other goddess would be excited to hang out with him and spend alone time with him, and he admits to having feelings for Persephone. Now, I've read my fair share of love confessions in mangas, in webtoons, I've seen them in anime, but this one stands out for the sheer obliviousness and a lack of understanding of the situation that Apollo has. Like, he has no read on her uncomfortable body language. He doesn't understand anything. And I know Zeus is bad, but Apollo might be the most self-absorbed, narcissistic character in this webtoon. My takeaway from this episode is that I loved seeing a different side to Demeter. This episode shows that Persephone... Though she has problems with her mom, she does look up to her mother. And though things aren't perfect in their relationship, Demeter is still a role model for her. So because of that, she decides to confront Apollo and speak her mind. In episode 97, Persephone is forced to listen to Apollo go on and on about how he has feelings for her. He's living in his own delusional world. He's come up with this theory that Persephone's angry with him because he said they should keep their relationship on the down low. And he's just going with that theory like it's the truth. And it's not. (laughs) He never even asked her why she's mad because he doesn't really care about what she has to say or how she feels. This entire episode just confirms what a terrible communicator he is and how he can't read the room. So Apollo gets lost in his own fantasies and says we could be Olympus's next power couple. And when I read that, I was like, no, no, sir. That is Hades and Persephone you need to check yourself. Kitschy Star commented on this episode of the webtoon and said that mental image of Persephone in that choker and all the gold and jewelry makes me sick. He wants to smother her in his image and tastes. I fully agree with that because Apollo envisions, you know, his power couple fantasy 
of him singing up front and Persephone playing the tambourine in the background, basically. And a lot of us are super excited to see Persephone in a new outfit and she looks great. It's just, that's not her. That is him smothering Persephone in his image and tastes, just like Kitchy Star commented on the webtoon. So one thing that also kind of irked me is when Apollo said being with her would be like a downgrade, but he's willing to take it. It's just, man, how many insults can you lump into one love confession? How how far can you belittle someone and berate someone? He told her your powers aren't very strong. He says you're a daughter of one of the six traitors. It's just like, dude, stop talking. So I mentioned that Apollo calls Persephone a daughter of one of the six traitors. So you can assume Demeter is one of the six traitors. And if you know a thing or two about Greek mythology, then you'll know that Kronos had six children with Rhea, and they were Hestia, Demeter, Hera, Hades, Poseidon, and Zeus. Thanks, Wikipedia. (laughs) And I believe those are the six traitors that he's referring to. And that makes me think the scar on Demeter's back has something more to do with Kronos than it does with Zeus. So that's just a theory for now. We don't know where Rachel will take it, but that's just my guess. Apollo continues to belittle Persephone. When he does say your powers aren't very strong, do you guys remember what Hades had to say about Persephone's powers? Let's take a trip back in time to Lore Olympus episode 27. Hades and Persephone were on the phone with each other, and Persephone said, You're important. If you stopped, everyone would notice. Me? What do I have to contribute? Flowers and junk. My mom could manage spring herself before I was born. In fact, she's doing it for me right now, so I can be here. What does that say about me and my role? If I wasn't here, everything would be fine. And then Hades, being the wonderful, wonderful person that he is, said, I'm very familiar with Demeter's version of spring. Spring executed by Demeter is practical and straight to the point. You could measure it with a ruler. Admittedly, in recent years, I thought Demeter had a midlife crisis. Spring seemed completely different, savage and unpredictable. It's beautiful. And that made Persephone cry on the phone with him. See, Hades looks at her powers and says they're savage and unpredictable and beautiful and different. And Apollo is here saying, I love you, but your powers aren't very strong. He's saying, I love you despite the fact that your powers aren't very strong. And that's just not true. It just shows how off he is. His perception of Persephone is so off. Earlier in this podcast episode, I asked the question, what does Zeus even think love is? And I have the same question for Apollo. What does he think love is? Why is he insulting someone that he loves, right? Does he even know what love is? I don't think so. When Persephone finally gets a chance to say something, she asks him when's her birthday, what are some things she likes, and Apollo pathetically says flowers, but he knows nothing about her, so she throws a plate at him. And he says, baby, you almost hit me, and I think I laughed out loud here, not because the situation is funny, but that was a little bit of tension relief and just shows you how freaking delusional Apollo is. What makes him think he can call her baby? And also, if someone threw a plate at me, you know, I would start to come to the conclusion that they're mad at me, that they're frustrated with me, but he just won't get it. 
So Persephone lets it all out. She says to him, we are nothing, which is the title of this podcast episode. It comes straight from Persephone's mouth. And she agrees to tolerate him when he comes to visit his sister, which is very generous of her, by the way. And that's it. She doesn't want to have anything to do with him. She goes a little further and basically tells him that their night together was not consensual. He did not have her consent. And I had no idea that she was going to get that far in her honesty. And on the one hand, I'm happy that she let him know. That's a huge step to say that out loud and to admit it. But on the other hand, I was extremely nervous for her to be saying that alone with him in her place. Like there's no escape route. I'm scared for her. And Apollo's response was, stop. I don't like what you're implying. And yet he still can't hear her. Why won't he just consider what she's implying and excuse yourself from this room? But he just goes on and on about how everyone likes him. So Cloud Maiden commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, I've always loved the symbolism of the music bars and how that suggested his power and influence. And when she physically took the lyre, she was taking her power back. And now the bars are pink, so she's in control. I love it. So I am glad I read that comment because I didn't notice that she was taking control of the music bars and they're pink now. And I thought that was a really interesting detail. If you want to know more about the music bars and the symbolism, you can check out the podcast episode called All About Lore Olympus with creator Rachel Smythe, where Rachel mentions those music bars and how she incorporates them into the webtoon and how she writes scenes with Apollo and Persephone specifically. So Persephone brings him to her bedroom. My nerves are just like crazy at this point because that's even scarier. I don't want him in her bedroom, but she wants to show him the liar. And at this point, I was just terrified as to what might happen next. So my takeaway from this episode is that there's no getting through to Apollo. He is a brick wall. He will maybe never understand. And the liar, it feels like it's Persephone's last resort. It's the last attempt at getting through to him. In episode 98, Persephone shows Apollo his lyre, and he now knows that she stole it and she damaged it. She cries and her eyes are fully red. It was hard seeing Persephone like this, and she asked him how it felt. And because he's made her suffer, she wants him to suffer too. And she says, you don't have feelings for me, just this unfounded impulse to control me. And that's the absolute truth. I've said it a million times, but in this conversation from start to finish, Persephone could not be any more crystal clear with him. She's so clear in how she feels about him and how she wants him to leave her alone. There is no room for confusion. It is clear. And yet Apollo has the nerve to say, did Hades put you up to this? Wow. My first response was, how does that even make sense? How did he, how is his brain going to this place? And then I remembered that Apollo doesn't really believe that women have agency and thought and to like make their own independent choices. He thinks so little of women, especially Persephone. He doesn't think she has real feelings or emotions. He constantly disregards them. So here he goes again, making up his own theory 
and this is one of of Hades putting her up to this, and Hades is confusing her. Hades is saying bad things about him, and Apollo goes ahead and believes his own theory, patting himself on the back for it. He even tells her, you need time to think about my offer. At this point, things between them are getting more physical and a lot scarier. Apollo is in her face. He's pulling on the collar of her pajamas and telling her that she's being hysterical. And Apollo says, I don't need you to like me to be my wife. Does that sound familiar, you guys? I don't need you to like me to be my wife. We talked about Zeus's suggestion to Hades where he says, you know, just marry her against her will. And even if she's upset about it, she'll get over it eventually. So even though we haven't nailed down whether Zeus is a complete villain in the series or not, in the same way that Apollo is definitely a complete villain, there's still some very interesting similarities that Rachel is drawing between those two characters. So how do we get Zeus and Apollo to respect women, see them as equals, see them as having their own minds and independent thought? What needs to happen so that they can do that and stop tormenting my favorite characters? Raptor Girl commented on the webtoon and pointed out how Hades said in episode 80, I want her to love me. I don't want her to be my wife against her will. And Raptor Girl said, the difference between them speaks volumes. I love how Rachel is always drawing comparisons and showing us the differences and similarities between these characters. I love it too. Hades just comes out on top every time. He's really awesome. And another awesome character is Eros, who is outside of the window and seeing Persephone and Apollo, who are most likely yelling at the top of their lungs. And like I said, getting a little bit more physical here. And boy, was I glad to see Eros. He was with Empelus, aka Psyche, but he doesn't know that it's Psyche. And he has a bow and arrow and the arrow bursts through the window and slices Apollo's cheek, making his face bleed gold. tension relief. My takeaway from this episode is that Persephone was never going to win this argument, not with Apollo the way that he is right now. She was never going to make him see reason. He's just too stubborn. And I think it would have driven her insane to try to make him see reason. How much can you talk around in the same circle and tell someone, I don't want to be with you. I don't like you. How much can you say that before completely going mad? Apollo doesn't think Persephone can have an opinion of her own without a man's influence. And I was curious, what do you guys think is going to happen next with him? I asked Mizuki, what do you think is next for Apollo? This I sat on for a while. I mean, I wrote up a bunch of notes on what I think is going to happen to him next. And it all ended up just focusing on our little cinnamon roll. Um, But you know what? I just don't know what is going to be coming up next for Apollo. All I hope is that there is some lessons to be learned for him. And I just hope karma bites him in the butt. That's all I'm thinking is going to happen next for him. I am ready for Apollo to learn some lessons for sure. And I'm ready for Zeus to learn some lessons as well. But more than anything, I'm glad that Persephone has Eros in her corner, and I can't wait to see what happens next for her in Laura Olympus.
Tuesday, I like to share a Webtoon recommendation from one of our listeners, and this week's recommendation comes from Melina.sh27 on Instagram, who said, Purple Hyacinth, desperately waiting for you to cover some episodes. Crying face emoji. (laughs) I will. I will cover Purple Hyacinth. In fact, five people replied to my Instagram story of what webtoon they were obsessed with right now, and they said Purple Hyacinth. So you're not alone, Melina.sh27. If you guys have a webtoon recommendation, please send me an email, reach out on Instagram or Twitter, and let me know in a few short sentences which webtoon you'd like to recommend and why. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to Pink Red Panda on Instagram. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Pink Red Panda. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Tuesdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye.